Welcome back to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. I'm Gordon Turtle with the CPA Education Foundation, and I'll be your host for this episode. In this episode, we're going to talk about a subject that's been in the news a lot lately, and that's space and space exploration. The Perseverance rover landing on Mars in February has gathered a lot of attention. It's also a nice reminder that we're a small part of a very large universe. While the search for intelligent life beyond Earth goes on, human accomplishments in space research continue. It has been over half a century since humans first walked on the moon. Today, plans are underway for a return to the moon, as well as journeys to other planets. With all that's going on, it seems that a new age of space exploration has arrived. For Albertans, there are exciting projects happening closer to home, too. On January 12th of this year, the University of Alberta's Augustana campus hosted the virtual opening of the Heshi Observatory, located at the Augustana Miquelon Lake Research Station. This observatory was funded through a generous gift from Alberta CPA and business leader, Brian Heshi. The observatory aims to share the stars with anyone interested in learning more about astronomy. Although the Heshi Observatory is currently closed to the public to align with COVID-19 restrictions, the observatory team is excited to welcome visitors once restrictions have been eased. Joining me today are two people who are closely associated with the observatory. They're both joining by Zoom. The first guest is Brian Heshi, a generous donor to the CPA Education Foundation, whose gift helped create the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre and this very podcast. Brian has had many roles in accounting and business, culminating in his tenure as CEO and Chair of Fountain Tire. He has dedicated much of his life to community service and education, and he supports many initiatives in educational, professional, and recreational spheres. Also joining our conversation today is Ray Metronets, the Heshi Observatory Technician at Augustana Campus. Ray is a proud Augustana alumnus who graduated in the spring of 2020 with a Bachelor of Science degree, majoring in math and physics. She is also an outstanding ambassador for the observatory. Let's learn more about the Heshi Observatory and Brian's motivation behind supporting this project straight from the CPA's mouth. Did you hear that head office is implementing new diversity and inclusion? Women 10% of C-suite positions at Canada's 100 companies need to be more socially responsible. Big data represents a potential windfall of $30 billion for Canada. Do a comprehensive review of its tax system. 70% of Albertans say the economy is too dependent on oil and gas. Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Hi, Brian and Ray. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Ray, how about you? Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me today, Gordon. Our pleasure. Brian, how about you? How are things today? Things are fine. The sun's shining. That's a great thing to know for sure. So we're going to start off with a question for Ray. Um, Ray, our listeners might not have a background in astronomy, so perhaps you can tell us what is the Heshi Observatory and what programs or services does the observatory provide? Yes, of course. So the Heshi Observatory is an astronomical observatory. As you mentioned before, it was built at Augustana's research station out by Miquelon Lake. There we have two high-powered reflecting telescopes, one portable 11-inch telescope from Celestron and a larger 17-inch telescope from Planewave that's mounted permanently in the observatory tower. And those numbers that I just mentioned 
refer to the aperture of the telescope or the diameter of the primary mirror that's in the telescope. And basically, the larger that mirror is, the more light it can gather from a distant star, so the more powerful the telescope will be. And the views through the telescope are just spectacular. The whole observatory is all computer operated, so that includes running the telescope along with its focuser, fans and heaters, and turning the dome, making sure that the opening of the dome follows wherever the telescope points to. We also have an astronomy video camera, which can be put in the eyepiece holder of the telescope and it streams footage to our computer, allowing us to still see through the telescope even if we aren't actually up there. So basically the observatory can be controlled completely remotely. As for right now, since we are closed because of COVID restrictions, we are currently only offering a virtual astronomy program through Zoom that groups can book. Uh, that program is a bit over an hour long and groups learn all about the telescope, what one can see with it, and how to find some different objects and constellations in the sky. We've had some scout and guide groups go through the program and a couple of community and family groups as well. And once restrictions ease up and we're able to be more open to the public, hopefully this summer, we'll want to start having some socially distanced outdoor events or programs where people can come see the view through the telescope, do some stargazing and learn a little bit about astronomy. Well, it'll be nice when we're able to uh, have those kinds of events out there. Is the observatory also used for like university courses? Is it an educational facility for university students at Augustana and other post-secondaries as well, perhaps? Uh, yes, eventually that is the point we want to get to. We'll want to have some astronomy courses running out of the observatory, but just with everything that's happened in the past year, it's, been, it's taken us a bit longer to get those kinds of things up and running. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Ray, what do you do there at the observatory? What are your responsibilities and how did you get involved with it in the first place? I'll start with how I got involved with the project. So I was a math and physics student at Augustana, like you said, and one of my professors, Peter Berg, approached me asking if I'd be interested in a research position for the summer of 2019. That's when I first heard about the observatory project and the plans for it, and he was thinking that I could help out with that with the beginning steps. So I was a research assistant for that summer and that's when we got the portable telescope. So I was using that a lot and figuring out how to run it and doing other preparation work for when the actual observatory was going to be built. Um, during the school year after that summer, I was able to work with the portable telescope some more in a directed study. And then I graduated last spring and was rehired as a summer research assistant for 2020. At that point, the observatory and the classroom had been built at the research station, but there was still lots of preparation work on the building that had to be done before the big telescope was installed. So I had to do some painting and a little bit of carpentry on the inside of the observatory tower and help with the telescope installation. And with the telescope installation, what happened was a technician from Plane Wave in the States was going to come and install the telescope for us, but because of the whole pandemic happening, they weren't able to come across the border. Right. So that right. left Gerhard Lotz and I, and Gerhard is an Augustana physics professor working closely with the project as well. And we had to install the telescope ourselves. And that was a huge, steep learning curve, but I'm really glad that we did it because it allowed us to get to know the telescope that much better 
And since then, my research contract was extended and I became the observatory technician, where I've been working closely with the main observatory telescope, getting it set up and configured properly, and doing some testing on what we can see with it and what pictures we can take. So basically right now, running and testing the telescope, general maintenance and upkeep of the observatory and carrying out those virtual astronomy programs I mentioned are my main responsibilities as observatory technician. Wow, that's quite an opportunity that came your way. When you first enrolled at Augustana, did you think that like four years later or whatever after graduation, you'd be working at a, a observatory? No, I had no clue. It was a really amazing and like once once in a lifetime opportunity it seemed like and it just so happened to coincidentally fall into my hands it was like it almost seemed like a fairy tale happening to me <laughs> um i enrolled in math and physics at first because i was interested in space and astronomy and that was kind of the closest uh thing that you could take at augustana relating to that oh. so having this opportunity given to me was really a dream come true. So, Well, I think they found the right person for the job, that's for sure. Thank you. Um, Brian, uh, over to you. Um, so what was your motivation, Brian, behind supporting the creation of the Heshi Observatory? What inspired you to become so passionate about this project? Well, the, the project itself was not my idea or my doings, really. I... I took my first year of university, at least the first year I passed at Augustana. <laughs> so I wanted to give back something to the institution that gave to me. And so I took a couple copies of the book, Obvious Adams, which states that the simpler solution is often the most difficult one to find. And said, if you read this book and come up with some projects uh, that are obvious, I will uh, help fund them. And so it didn't take them very long to come back with three projects. One was uh, a community project, one was a health project, and, and the other was the observatory. And I was uh, just super impressed with how obvious it would be to have an observatory in a dark sky area and where they already had a presence. So the credit for the observatory goes to the people at uh, Augustana, not to me. And, you know, in terms of becoming very interested and, and as you say, passionate about it, that I also think is a direct result of the passion demonstrated by the people at the college for the project right from the inception, in spite of all the hurdles that had to be overcome due to the particularly the COVID. So the credit for the observatory is the people that are involved and make Augustana a good place to learn. Well, that's great to hear. And I think it's pretty clear that both sides had a role in this and kind of benefited from having each other involved. So Brian, you mentioned, use that term, a dark sky area. And Ray, I did want to ask you about that. The observatory is located at the Augustana Miquelon Lake Research Station. And I understand that that is uh, classified as a dark sky area. Ray, what is it about that location that makes it such a good spot for the observatory? Uh, yes. So, yeah, Miquelon Lake is in a dark sky preserve. So in that area, light pollution is actively monitored and minimized. And that leaves us with an amazingly dark sky. 
The only real light pollution in Miquelon is a bit of sky glow coming from Edmonton, but the rest of the sky is super clear. And you can see a few thousand stars with just your eyes out there. So without any devices, you can see tons of stars. And having that dark sky allows us to see more of the dimmer, distant objects out there, like galaxies or nebulae. And it also allows us to generally see more detail in the astronomical objects we're looking at. And the Dark Sky Preserve isn't just amazing for stargazing, though. It also has a lot of environmental benefits, too, as it allows nocturnal animals to thrive in their natural dark habitat. So dark sky preserves are really great places. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So I have a really dumb question. This is a question coming from someone who wasn't a math or physics major, but can you use a telescope during the daytime or is it only at night that you can um, use the telescope? Um, Generally, it is only at night. There would have to be proper filters on the telescope if we were to use it during the day. So if you wanted to look at the sun, then you'd have to put a solar filter over the aperture of the telescope to block most of the light coming in because it would just be way too much light going through the telescope and it would be blinding to look at the sun. Um, And there's like, you can see some objects out there during the day, but like I said, you'll need to filter out a lot of the extra light that's coming in. So you need special filters to be able to observe during the day. Okay, well, that makes sense. So just as a follow-up to that, I mean, not everyone's uh, able to, uh, you know, live near a dark sky preserve. So for people who live in a big city like Calgary, Edmonton, do you have tips for them on how they can study the skies from home with a telescope? Well, From home, if you have a telescope at home, there are some filters you can get that will filter out light pollution. It's not as good as being in a dark sky preserve, but it does make it a lot easier to see through that light pollution if you get the specialized filters for it. Um, For just general stargazing from home, it wouldn't really be able to happen in Edmonton, but if you were able to go find a a darker area just away from the city lights, not necessarily in a dark sky preserve, but just somewhere outside of town. There's a couple great apps that people can download on their phones. One's called Skyview and the other is Night Sky. I've used them both. And I just use the free versions, but there's also full versions available. And they're both really great. They tell you a lot of information about objects that you're seeing out there in the sky and they'll help you identify different stars and constellations and other objects. And there's also a free planetarium software that you can download onto your computer. That's called Stellarium. And it's super great because you can pick any time and day and go to any location in the world and see exactly what the night sky will look like from there. So... All three will be able to aid people while they're stargazing. It tells you names, location, brightness, and other lots of great information out there. Interesting. So, Brian, just back to you for a second. So you're well known as a a business leader and uh, entrepreneur type of person, but you are a former teacher as well. So I'm curious to know, you know, from your perspective as someone who was an educator, what do you think young Albertans can learn today by studying astronomy? And Are there lessons that we can learn from astronomy that apply to our lives here on Earth? I think there are. I never thought of the observatory so much in terms of just studying astronomy as having young people go there. And I, I think there's many people, surprisingly, never take time to look at the sky. 
And if you don't, you have no appreciation of how vast the universe is. So my hope would be that people come there, certainly that some are inspired to study astronomy, but that everyone that goes there is inspired to think differently and to, to think more opportunities than they would have thought before. Because when you realize how vast the universe is, you realize how much there is to learn. And we sometimes, or very often, I think, restrict ourselves by not realizing the opportunities and not taking time to, to think how much opportunity there is. And you just look at the number of uh, things that were invented when man was sent to the moon and today with sending ships to Mars, the opportunity to learn just from learning how to do that, I think, is immense. And hopefully it will uh, encourage people to expand their thinking. Well, you know, that's so true. And there just seems to be a natural interest among people in in what's beyond the Earth. You know, the Mars mission that's going on right now and has been going on for the last couple of months, it just gets so much attention and people get so excited about it. And Brian, do you recall seeing that kind of excitement about space and stuff in kids when you were a teacher? No, I remember it more when I was a student in a country school. Oh. Because we studied astronomy. I was in a school that had grades one to eight in the same room. But we studied astronomy in school. And of course, you'd hear no matter which grade was being taught. And I remember as kids, us going out at night and identifying Orion and and different constellations in the sky. So my interest was really at a very early age. Hmm. And it's uh, carried on all this time. That's fantastic. So, Brian, just one other question for you. is: You've been involved in so many projects since I got to know you a few years ago. Are there any other ideas or fields of endeavor you'd like to um, get involved in in the coming years? Anything in particular in mind that you want to share with our audience? Well, I'm, I've written a couple of books. One of them that I think has some value for people is one that I've called Thoughts on Thinking. And I, a couple of young entrepreneurs were wanting to promote it, mm-hmm. and they're digressed off to something else. So I'm going to take on that project and get uh, hopefully some other people helping me develop a strategy, not to sell the book so much as to get people interested in reading it, because I think that for most people that have read it, they've got one or two ideas out of it that have proved beneficial to them. So that's one thing that may be a total waste of time, but it'll be time spent trying, if not succeeding. Oh, I was just going to say, well, you know, the books aren't a waste of time. Uh, I've had a chance to to read a couple of Brian's books, and uh, they're a great read. They're, they're short. They don't take a lot of time to read, but they're chock full of really interesting observations. And I can mention that our CPA Education Foundation has two of his books available for sale with all the proceeds going to the foundation. Brian doesn't make any money on them, and he donated the books to us. So if you are interested in um, learning more about Brian's books, you can email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca, and we'd be happy to get you a couple books. Anyway, back to you, Brian. You were going to mention something else? Well, the other project, I guess, that I'm interested in is most universities uh, are losing their faculty club. So they're closing down due to lack of interest and lack of support. Oh. 
And I know the one in Victoria changed its name from faculty club to university club. And I think that it's doing reasonably well. The faculty club at the University of Alberta has also changed their name to the university club and have new management. And I just think that it uh, is a huge opportunity for business people and others to learn from faculty, but also for faculty to learn that there's actually people that can share information that's useful to them. So I'm going to spend some time maybe trying to twist a few arms to get memberships in a university club to help it have success down the road because it would be a shame for uh, the city and the province if it was lost. Uh, That sounds like a fantastic project. I know that uh, our Education Foundation has in the past had numerous events at the Faculty Club at the U of A, and it was a great space for students and business leaders to come together and, and other groups as well. So that sounds great. Um, Ray, I'm going to go back to you. You sent me some pictures of some of the uh, sites that you've been able to observe from the telescope at the observatory, and we're going to put those pictures on our website, uh, more information on that later. But what's the most exciting thing that you've seen using the telescope since it began operation? Uh, The most exciting thing that I've seen through the telescope has to be nebulae. And my favorite so far is the Orion Nebula, because it's just this huge, beautiful gas cloud, and it's a stellar nursery, so it's currently forming new stars, too. And looking at it through the telescope, you don't really see all the colors of the nebula, but it still looks really amazing as this giant cloud suspended out there in space. When we first pointed the telescope at the Orion Nebula, and I saw it for the first time, I let out a huge gasp. It was absolutely breathtaking. And when you take just a short exposure of the nebula, that's when the colors start to come out and it makes it even more beautiful. It's truly amazing to look at. So how far is that from Earth, do you know? It's in our galaxy. Uh, I don't have the exact number on me right now, but definitely... Under a million light years, Hmm. I would think. Oh, so walking distance. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, nice and close. So it sounds like it's been quite an experience um, having the opportunity to work with the telescope. So coming from that, what have you personally learned about space and astronomy by by this job you have at the observatory? Oh, uh, where to start? Um, I've learned so much working at the observatory, but probably the most shocking thing that I've had to wrap my head around while working here is just how spread out the universe actually is. And Brian kind of touched on it earlier when saying that people can come to the observatory and actually understand how much is out there. Like people, they won't understand until you actually see this. We're told these huge numbers sometimes, like I just did with distances or sizes of the various objects out there. But once the numbers get big enough, people aren't really able to actually form the concept of those distances in their minds. I can try put it into perspective by saying the universe is made up of galaxies, right? And the Mm -hmm. closest galaxy to us, besides our own, is Andromeda. But it's two and a half million light years away from us. And like I mentioned, that's a big number. But we can unpack the meaning behind it. So a light year is the distance that light travels in one year. 
almost nine and a half trillion kilometers. So it takes two and a half million years for light from Andromeda galaxy to get to us. And light is the fastest moving thing that we know of. So even if humans were able to build a ship that moves at the speed of light to get to the next closest galaxy to us, someone would have to travel for over two and a half million years. And just thinking about that can really put a different perspective in people's heads. It definitely blows my mind, even today still, just thinking about how much is actually out there. Um, nothing makes you feel smaller than looking through a telescope. And some of the objects you see almost don't even look real, but they are, and they're out there just waiting for us to learn what we can from them. Wow. Those are pretty memorable experiences and, and lessons to learn. And, you know, thanks to the crew at the observatory and thanks to Brian Heshey, you know, thousands of Albertans are going to have the opportunity over the next several years to to have those same kinds of experiences. So it's been great learning about the observatory and Brian about your interest in it and your involvement and support for it. So thanks for your time, both of you. I do have a closing question for you, which could spark a vociferous debate, but we'll see where it goes. So whether we're looking at Mars, the moon, or the Milky Way, there's no one that hasn't marveled at the beauty and vastness of the worlds beyond us. And I'm wondering what you two think, or what each of you think, about the question that so many of us have pondered over the years. Is there intelligent life beyond Earth out there in space? Yes or no? Brian, why don't you go first on that one? I'll go with a yes. And the, and the reason being, uh, I went on a cruise one year uh, where a Dr. Weiss had seminars during the cruise. He made a livelihood out of using hypnosis to help people deal with problems. And he used the hypnosis to take people back to past lives. And his, his books were fascinating. And, and he gave examples of people that would remember past lives. And once they understood that, they'd understood the problems they had today. So if, if past lives, uh, if we actually come back to Earth from past lives, then there's in my mind, must be some intelligence beyond Earth. Interesting. I did. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, thanks, Brian. What about you, Ray? What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, my answer is also a yes. I I definitely think there's intelligent other intelligent life out there. Not for the same reason as Brian, although that does also make sense and is really interesting to think about. But just thinking about the quantity of what's out there, like I already touched on this a bit, there is so much out there and we can only really study what's within our own galaxy. Think about what's in all of those other galaxies that are out there. Millions of stars, each with their own solar system around them. How can there be all of that out there with no other intelligent life that has come from another one of those planets? That's just the way I see it, is that there can't. It's impossible that this is the only place that intelligent life was able to happen out of everywhere in the universe. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, the odds are astronomical that uh, there wouldn't be something else. So. Exactly. Anyway, thank you both again for your time today. It's been great talking with you. And um, yeah, we'll keep studying space, both of you. Will do. Thank, thank you. you so much. This episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth featured Brian Heshey, FCPA, FCA, and Ray Matrenitz. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list to get notifications about upcoming episodes. And if you have ideas for future episodes or any feedback you'd like to share, you can email us at knowledgecenter at cpaalberta.ca or leave us a comment on social media. And finally, if you'd like to learn more about the Heshey CPA Knowledge Centre or check out Brian's books, you can check us out online at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation. Thanks for listening. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cpaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.